welcome to the GNT Show. All right, welcome everybody to another week of the GNT Show. Once again, I am joined with by my host with the most, a man who's been single-handedly campaigning to get an EGM called at Canterbury Bankstown, otherwise known as the Dealmaker. G, how are you this week? I'm good. I believe that that's... Isn't that illegal when it comes to federal politics? Branch stacking? Branch stacking. No, you've been a member know. of Canterbury for ages. A long-time member, um, but yeah, so look, I know there is an EGM called. You, you saw the um, updates in the paper this week, So, but no, I haven't had anything to do with gathering numbers, no. I don't know enough people. I've heard 116 signatures have been signed. You're one of them calling for the EGM. So uh, if you want to know who G is, the man behind it, just get hold. He's one of those 116 names. Uh, <laughs> he, did, he did sign as IP freely, so... Oh, my God. Oh, well, yeah, sorry, dad joke. All right, guys, another massive week, final round of Rugby League. This has been colloquially named as the G round because there was no defense at all played during the whole round of Rugby League. There was 83 tries in eight games. That's over 10 tries a game. A massive week of, of non-defense in the world of Rugby League. It was a terrible round, but we'll we'll get into that a little bit later. What do I say? An alleged eye gouge, an alleged racial slur, Kevin Walters and potentially Craig Bellamy to the Broncos. The first origin names for New South Wales were announced. We're now looking for a new Queensland origin coach five weeks out from the first origin. Manly have confirmed the signing of Kieran Foran and Canterbury and West Tigers have had a clean out of their ranks that have already been announced. Where do you want to... Oh, and before I forget, Nathan Cleary who had six points docked from the Dally M three months ago because of the TikTok video that they, they said the NRL came out this week to Buzz Rothfield and said, just joking. Gee, does your, you or your cat have an opinion on any of the goings-on in Rugby League this week? She's she, she does. She's trying to type. Oh, God. Can I just say, the listeners have voted this week and they actually prefer the cat to you, so they'd rather have the cat on the podcast. I'm working on getting it to um, learn how to podcast, so once it, once she's ready, um, I'll put her on. I'll put her on. So let's start with the clean-out at the Canterbury and West Tigers. The, 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 the dogs had Kieran Foran, Aidan Tolman, Montoya, Kerrod Holland, Jack Cogger, Suicide... Suicide... <laughs> You Suisasso. are terrible with Islander I, names. I am. You are terrible. Suasaso Sue, Tim, <laughs> Tim Lafay, and Isaiah Tass all got released from the Dogs this week. Um, unfortunately, that left another 24 of their players in the squad. Kier- Kieran Foran has signed for Manly. Allegedly, he signed for less money than Canterbury were offering him. Um, with a one-year deal, with a one-year option on the club side, so he, something's going on there that he was desperate to get out. What do, what do you think of the the goings on and the shenanigans at the Canterbury Bankstown Club? Oh, look, I think um, they, they made it clear they didn't want foreign. Um, the EGM's coming, so that'll be interesting to see what the I suppose the motions are that they are calling the EGM on the clean out. Uh, I mean, there are a couple of players there. I feel for Marcelo Montoya had a horrific knee injury, so he hasn't come back physically quite the same. You could see him trying hard, but the one that saddens me the most is probably Tolman. I think 
if they're looking at bringing through youngsters and building things up again, I think he's a great example. I mean, I don't know what he wanted from a um, a contract perspective, but in terms of leadership by example, he's a guy you want in the club. He may not be your main prop, but as a squad member and leadership, absolutely. And I mean, look, the team, if you look at the team the last few years, they barely won any games, but generally the attitude's been quite good and he's one of the senior leaders in the team. So the evidence points to him having been quite influential in their attitude every week so but it depends on who they recruit some of the people they're after or rumored to be after is but you know brandon smith is one as a hooker i like brandon smith why would brandon smith go to the dogs my club has fallen that far that when someone of any note decides to come to the bulldogs the comment is why would they come here for that's how bad it's got it's like a marriage you might want to marry someone but they've got to want to marry you too it's getting to that point this is pretty bad we used to be the team that people would send players to to develop, and now we're like, why? Why would that person come here? Well, well, the way you guys, the way you guys let go of players, I'm sure Aiden Tolman and Kieran Foran, well, Kieran Foran won't, but Aiden Tolman and will definitely play Origin next year, and Tim Laffey will play up the best best season of his life. I, I just hope Tim Laffey's alive next year. He's still alive. He's still alive. He's voting at the EGM. So, what about the West Tigers? So they they got rid of all their problem. People: Benji Marshall, Chris Lawrence, Dylan Smith, Elijah Taylor, Harry Grant, Matt Eisenhuth, Rob Jennings, and Oliver Clark. Three of those players are probably part of their top so seven performers. So, thankfully for the West Tigers, they've kept Moses Imbai, Russell Packer, and Josh Reynolds, and Madge McGuire. Well, I like Madge, but I think that's a big job turning that roster over. So we won't talk too much about the eye gouge and the racial slur. The eye gouge, though, like just to say... Alleged, was, alleged, alleged eye gouge. Alleged eye gouge. Fairly prominent on video. <laughs> like, this ain't the 80s. <laughs> like, there's camera angles from everywhere. So, it did. It looked quite damning, the footage. And we're talking about the English players being quite niggly, you know. Oh, Luke Thompson. Look, and the other thing is the racial slur, the alleged racial slur, I think we've come such a long way. If I remember, if you remember Anthony Mundine and Robbie, Robbie Simpson... They they had a hearing with Barry Ward back in the day. It was allegedly Mitch Barnett, um, and and it's being spoken about. I mean, if this is still going on in our game, this is a sad indictment on our society, and and this is just it's just particularly after the year we've had with the news it's made in America and things like that. So I think it's it's terrible, and they should. And I actually think good on Tyrone Peachy for standing his ground. And in, 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 if, if that's what he heard and he wants to raise it, I, I'm, it's good that he's got the confidence to be able to raise it. Yeah. But it's alleged at this point, so we don't want to get into too much trouble. Not too much trouble, no. Um, but I think the good thing is you can see that now the league's taking up far more seriously than they used to. Like if I go back to that Mundine and Barry Ward, there was a lot of, oh, did he say, or oh, is Anthony Mundine sort of complaining? There was, It wasn't as, hey, this is not acceptable we got to do something about it and let's have a hearing straight away. Uh, it's a lot more, they take it a lot more serious and action things quite quickly now, which is which is good. I mean, hopefully that's not what happened, but we'll, I guess we're going to, the rest of the week we'll play that out and see what happens. So moving on, the first origin names were announced. Tom, Tra- the Trebojevic brothers got picked. Payne Haas, Tyson Frizzell and Cameron McInnes got named as the first five names. Tarek Sims, Paul Vaughan were dropped and Zach Lomax didn't get a run. What did you think of the first names that were announced in, in Brad Fittler's side? What do I think about that? Um, pretty pretty standard names to, to be expected. I am surprised that they dropped Paul Vaughan. I'm not. Why? Oh, I would drop him. His form has been terrible, but 
there's a lot of this, oh, he was in part of the squad last year, let's bring him back again. No, I don't think that's 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 not Brandy and Freddie's go, right? I think they're, they're, they're picking more to form now. Fred, Freddie does pick more to form, and I think that's why I always knew he'd turn New South Wales around as a result of that. But I am surprised with his Frizzell. I mean... Yeah, that's the one that surprised me as well. Although he was good on the weekend. He was really good on the weekend, but... He was, but he's one of those players where... I think sometimes he's so athletic and he can do incredible things, but then he has no impact for most of the game, right? So, um, McInnes, it's good to see him, his form reward. Cam McInnes has been playing great for two years, so this was this was a good reward for his form. I don't think he's a back rower. He gets through a lot of work. His defence is superb, Cam McInnes, but, and he's tough and brave and all those things, but um, I don't... I don't think he's in... We've got to see the other 22 names, but I don't think he's in this squad as a, as a back rower. He can cover a few different positions, which is which is why I suspect he was picked. And for Trebojevic, I understand why he's there as part of the, the bigger squad, but would I start him, even though I think he's an incredible talent? No, I wouldn't. He's barely played this year. Well, let's see how we go over the last five weeks, but I mean, it was odd that Manly played him last week. The other big news coming out of the other origin camp was Kevy Walters, allegedly... Yes. Or to be announced tomorrow. We're, we're recording this on a Tuesday night before the first week of the finals. Um, it looks like he's going to be named as the new Broncos coach. And Craig Bellamy looks like he'll be joining him in 2022 as a football director, style of style of role, technical director. Part, part, part time. You made that quite clear. Well, he's 61 years old. By the time oh, he, by the time he goes to the Broncos, he'll be 63. I think he wants to enjoy some of the warm weather and not have to work full time. Fair enough. Yep, that's what, that's pretty much what he said. He just said, "I'd love to still be involved in a part time basis." Um, he's the intensity. He just needs to. He said, "Take a step back from it." He's too involved. He's very hands on, Bellamy, which explains why Melbourne are always so good. He's like your cat. She's very hands-on, typing yeah. <laughs> typing during the podcast. Yeah. I'm looking forward to her attacking your face during this podcast. So the rumour is it's between Wayne Bennett and Mal Meninga for the Queensland Origin coach. We're five, six weeks out. Kevy, Queensland, QRL have come out today and said Kevy will play a role, but it won't be as coach. Um, for Mal to be able to coach, they need to overturn the the convention that exists that's existed since Terry Fernley coached. New South Wales and then Australia, that you can't coach both Australia and a state team because of the issues Terry Fernley uh, created by... Picking all his own players? Well, he picked he basically picked the New South Wales team for one of the Australian games back in the 80s. So since then, that hasn't been the case. So it could be Wayne Bennett. Paul Green's been mentioned, but I suspect it's going to be Wayne Bennett. What do you, how do you think Wayne will go back in the, the old arena? I think Wayne Bennett is a good origin coach. I mean, he's a good coach anyway, but... I think Origin suits those coaches don't need to have that hands-on detail like a, a Freddie. And I think Bennett kind of lets his players play and lets the talent flourish. He doesn't get too hands-on. I think he will suit it. Well, they're motivational coaches. I think Origin works for motivational coaches because you don't have them week in, week out. So you can't work on the technical stuff, the wrestle, the speed of the ruck, how you defend, how you attack. So a lot of it's about motivation, effort, connecting with the players, bonding, dare I say it, bonding, all that sort of stuff. So... Is this the same bonding that Bradley Clyde went on under Wayne Pearce and um, fell off fell off the horse? <laughs> no, Wayne Bennett will bring the disco dancing if you saw him in the change rooms against the Broncos this year. Okay, he'll well, he'll get them. Right. All right. Another massive week. You blink and you miss it in the world of rugby league, but but let's move on. We've got a special segment coming up at the end. No, it's not the men of league. Um, the feedback on that segment from last week was that um, the fire is starting to go out on that segment. 
as as, as the talent pool I drops. Yeah, yeah, the talent pool's dropping. <laughs> yes, yeah, so so it's getting it's getting harder to. I mean, when Phil Gould got a mention last week, I think I think we were, we were we were at the end of the end of the rainbow there. I, I know all about average look, so he, <laughs> the talent's dropping significantly. You are a person that picked Todd Payton because you think you look like him, but no, we're gonna do we're gonna do a review of round twenty, and then at the end of the show, we're gonna pick but we're gonna both pick our teams of the season, which was really tough in some of the positions. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that round twenty, the last round of the season. As I mentioned, eighty three tries. Over 10 tries a game, there was, I think, conservatively about 400 missed tackles per game. Uh, <laughs> during this round of football, there was no defence played at all. It kicked off with the Broncos versus Cowboys in, in Brisbane. Uh, the Broncos scored first, the first two tries, actually, and looked like they were going to farewell Darius Boyd in style, particularly as he got one of those tries. And then the, le- the Broncos' left edge collapsed. So, so just basically, just ba- yeah. basically, the, the, basically, they stopped playing football, and Kyle Felt ended up getting a hat trick to take him to nineteen tries. And Scotty Drinkwater was sensational, setting up three for the Cowboys. Um, I think Scotty Drinkwater under Todd Payton is going to, provided he's injury free, is going to go fantastic next year. So he's one to watch for next year. I think under a Todd Payton system where the defense gets tightened up. And Scotty Drinkwater can play in the halves or back at fullback. I think he's going to be a revelation. So for your super coach teams next year, get him, get him on there. It was Gavin Cooper's 323rd game and last game. Darius Boyd's 337th game. Jason Tamalolo was great back in the run on side with 249 meters and 23 tackles. For the Broncos, Payne Haas. Um, I think Payne Haas got picked for origin as well. I mean, he was just, he's, he's been a shining light for them. Um, he got their first try, and Patrick Carrigan has also worked hard for 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 the Broncos. So I think there's two forwards there from which to that have been trying. The Katoni Stags ACL was terrible news because he was probably going to get probably going to get picked for Origin. He was one of the centers in contention. I would say for sure he would he would have been. He's one had of a the really centers. good season, really good season, and 2021 for both these teams with new coaches: Brisbane with Kevy, North Queensland with Todd Payton. Um, North Queensland, the coaches have got to focus on different things. Obviously, Kevy's got to tighten up the defence of the Broncos. It was horrific. They conceded another six tries in this game. Um, and for North Queensland, actually, uh, Todd Payton's got to put some spine in them away from home. Outside of Queensland, North Queensland don't play well. Um, and he's shown with the Warriors that he can get a group of players that are not playing at home up for the each and every week, and we'll talk about the Warriors a little bit later. What did you think of this crackerjack game amongst two powerhouses, G? I was just hoping Brisbane would lose so they'd get the wooden spoon, and they were up 12-0, and I started to get a little bit worried. But um, Brisbane left-hand defence just fell apart, and Drinkwater and Felt tore them to shreds. And it was just one of those games. Just, they had a hit out. Payne Haas, good attitude. I mean, his chase of Tabawai Fidel... I mean, God, what a what? He's done that a couple of times in the last few weeks. He could have turned it up. He's chasing these players down, so he deserves his origin spot. He's been great for the Broncos. Yeah, there's there's no point if you think about it, chasing that down. They're coming last, and yet he still sprinted that fifty, sixty meters. And God, imagine him at, trying to tackle him at full speed. Like he can move. He can move. He can. Could you imagine how well you could go if you had the same effort as Payne Haas on this podcast? I'd be like Alan Langer. I'd just come out with the water, have have a chat, and then leave. Yeah, you just just you and Jimmy Dimmick talking. Yeah, of course. Setting up the attacking strategy. 
Well, the highlight for me was the last try of the Valentine Holmes zigzagging through the defence. Good to see him back with his footwork. It's taken him a number of weeks probably to get in fo- a little bit more footy shape. And the early pass to, to fit out and the hand went straight up in the air. 50, 60 metres, no one was going to touch well, him. Well, he's lightning, was, right? No one was going to touch him. That was exciting. Other than that, not much to report. I think, like you said, Carrigan is a toiler for the Broncos. You know, someone to build on, but has a go. Like he's a bit like Aiden Tolman for your guys, right? He's just he just gets yep. in there, has a go, does all the little things. And ba- sad to see Darius Boyd uh, bow out. I mean, he, he always. Comes what about the criticism the... they copped about the gender reveal at the end of the game with Darius Boyd? So let they've had a tough season. They've been smashed in the press. Like just let them have let them have their fun. I mean, God, we're such party poopers now. But, you know, he's, he's always come across as a bit of a prickly character, but 330 games, grand final, state of origins, tests. Everything. He's done it all in the game. I don't want to see players celebrating after a loss about an, an unborn child. That's what the press is basically saying. It's terrible. Let, let, let them have some joy in what's been a very joyless season. So mo- moving on to the next cracking game of the round, the Gold Coast Titans versus the Newcastle Knights. I don't know what to make of the Knights. They're... they're in a bit of trouble, I reckon, and I think I think South is going to tell the potentially tell them up this week. Although they do always go well after a, a hiding. The Gold Coast Titans won this 36-6, seven tries to one. It was the Titans' fifth win in a row, their first win against the top eight side this season. They've now beaten more top eight sides than Cronulla. Ash Ash Taylor played really well, and AJ Brimson was amazing in the second half. What a rich vein of form he is in. He hasn't quite played enough games to make our team of the season or my team of the season, but has been absolutely outstanding. The the, the Gold Coast kept attacking the Knights' right edge um, after after the Knights couldn't hold onto the ball. They just made too many errors coming out of their own end. Mitchell Pierce missed seven tackles in the first half. Not his finest game. He will be Cody Walker, the big boppers at South. They're really going to target him because he's missed a lot of tackles this year. 77 to be exact. <laughs> oh, For those yeah. listening, G's done research this, this week, which will be amazing. No, statistical research. It's the first time he's done research since we've started this podcast, so I'm looking forward to what he's got to offer. I'm an eye test guy. I, I trust my judgment watching the games. So. People have been listening to this and they've worked out you're an eye test guy. Mitch Rain, fantastic at number nine. Tremaine Spry was also great. Not not Kalen Ponga's best game ahead of Souths, but... um. New, the Titans ran for 700 metres more and 200 metres more from kick returns. I mean, they just smashed them. Um, and, and, of course, there was the alleged um, racial abuse, allegedly, by Mitch Barnett. I mean, I mean, what did you take out of this? What do you take out of this if you're the Knights, first of all? I want to drop the F-bomb, but we're, we're done. Like, honestly, they were at full strength trying to get a home semi, and they got absolutely torn apart. They were horrible. Particularly the second half, yeah. First half, they dropped the ball coming out. I mean, if they play like that, Souths could put 90 on them. Yeah, it wasn't even the errors. It was the attitude. Like, the attitude was poor. Some of the missed tackles, the gaps. And you're talking about the Titans who haven't, you know, they're, they're gone. They have nothing to play for in theory. And they just, the, they were far more intense, played with more joy. They tore them to shreds. I think they need to find a way to get Ponga in more space. He was involved, but he was getting up with the defense in his face, and it just makes him less effective. Once he's got the ball in a bit of space, he's a lot more dangerous, and I think they struggled to get him that. Too late for that. Too late. I mean, it's the semis this week, right? I mean, if you don't have an attacking system that gets your fullback into space now, 
that's too hard to work on in four days and get that get that. It is. They have in the past, but for some reason they really struggled against the Titans. I like that Tremaine Spry. He's carrying some weight because of COVID, but I'll tell you what, if he leans up after the offseason, he's he's a dangerous player. He's good skill. And another thing, like we've spoken about this, the, the Titans with, at full strength, Ash Taylor's playing with a lot of joy. He's just attacking the line. And you can see, and this is what I was talking about by the Is this Jim Dimmick? Well, have you noticed the Titans are happy to attack from their own 20 every week? Right? Every week they will attack from their own 20. And if they see a team short, they will spread the ball. I don't think you can take too much from this round where no defense was played. No, it's not from this round. It's been a pattern for them in the last four to five weeks. They're one of the few teams. I think a lot of teams are attacking from inside their 20 now. No, the good teams anyway. You're, you're, you're a dog supporter, so you haven't seen it this season. It's been a long time since I've seen that. So, um, in fact, probably the last time was when Jim Dimmick and Justin Holbrook were both at the club coaching. Um, but I love the way that they attack. And AJ Brimson, God, he's he's great to watch too. Like he, you see him always looking, and it's almost like he's he's planning how to attack the defense all the time. Changes of pace, movement, swerves, acceleration, stop, start. Like he's just he has all the tricks. And that second try, I mean, bad defense. It was horrible defense. But God, like you know, he shifted, change, changed gears, accelerated, stepped. Cut inside, and um, they're, they're just great to watch. I think um, five in a row. I can't. I don't know when the last time they won that. They're a chance for the eight next year. Because I'll tell you what, of Newcastle and Cronulla who finished seventh and eighth, as it stands right now in week twenty of the twenty twenty comp, I think the Gold Coast is better than both teams. They are, but you see, you've, I think what's happened is it's taken them a while to get going. It's taken them time for Holbrook, Dimmick and their game plan to take hold. And the last four or five weeks, they're more comfortable. You can see them playing really differently. Taylor, this is the best he's played in a long time. Like, he's he's enjoying his football. And the guy's got skill. Like, he's an incredibly skillful player. But you can see he's enjoying himself. And um, they're great to watch. I like Brian Kelly. I think Brian Kelly is a really good player. Tyrone Peachy is so much better at lock. He's so much ball playing lock. He's so much better. He's a fantastic player. He he's quick enough, strong enough, and skillful enough. To... Jamal Jamal Fogarty has actually, despite his defence being non-existent at times, he's <laughs> he's he's actually solved a lot of problems by playing him because he's a really good foil for Ash Taylor in the halves. Just a cool organising half that can take a bit of the pressure off Ash. And by moving Tyrone Peachy to to lock, they've actually freed him up that he doesn't have to do any of that stuff. So it's actually worked. Jamal Fogarty's plugged up. By, by putting Jamal Fogarty in the team, they've actually made two two other positions better as well. That spine's really, the, particularly the way they're playing Tyrone Peachy, they're not play, playing him like Tino or anything like that. He's a ball-playing lock. So I love just the way they combined with Spry down the, down the wing. The first try was great to Taylor. The second try was great as well. And just always on the attack, the Titans, they're really good to watch. I like watching them play. Fatuaka, I, I love. He's getting better and better every he week. He is getting better. He's he's in my short list for some of the positions for the se- end of the dominant, season. Dominant prop and babyface assassin Ash Taylor reminds me of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He could be like forty and he still looks like he's twenty. But I think he's only like twenty four, isn't he? He's still really young. They poached him. You remember from the Broncos for big bucks. Why is he the babyface assassin if he's still young? Look, let's not complicate things. Let, don't okay? don't. <laughs> <laughs> Keep throwing out the nicknames. 
bought your A game this week, G. I've got to say, you've bought your A game this week. So, so the Knights, honestly, like with the semis coming up, that was piss poor. Like that was a shocking performance. Attitude, not good. Yeah, yeah. There's an attitude problem. There's been an attitude problem for weeks. Yeah. Well, and but well, I mean, but that means they're probably going to be up for the semis too. So it'll be an interesting game. I think South will blow them away. No chance. After that performance, no way. Good segue to the next game of the round. In one of the most extraordinary games I have seen in a long, long time, particularly against the two-time reigning Premier, that has been the benchmark in this competition along with Melbourne for so many seasons. Souths versus the Roosters, 60 points to eight, 10 tries to two. South's first half attack was brilliant with four tries, and they should have been six because two tries were ruled out by the bunker that I thought were tries. They were tries, those two. Cody Walker was just outstanding. If I could give him 12 out of 10, I'd give him 12 out of 10. Um, Souths in the first half completed 18 sets, Easts only 10. I think in the, over the whole game, the penalty count was 6-1, and the six against was 6-1. So 12 to 2 in South's favour. So they had a lot of possession. They did have a lot of ball, but what, I mean, look what they did with it. Oh, they were amazing. The Roost, I mean, it's, the, it's the Roosters' biggest halftime deficit since 2016, also versus Souths. Souths attacked both edges, particularly Luke Keery on the left. The halves for Souths are combining rather than right left. So if you, if you notice the Souths attack, this is what's confusing teams a lot, right? So. You talk about the different structures of the game. Um, Gold Coast Titans, for example, play Jamal Fogarty on the on the on one side of the ruck and Ash Taylor on the other, and yep. and and Tyrone Peachy floats a little bit and AJ Brimson comes through the back. So that's that's their attack for Souths. Adam Reynolds and Cody Walker are constantly passing to each other, so they're combining their their attacks a little bit different to the rest of the team, and it's unlocking some of these tighter defences because they're not used to it. They're seeing something that they're not seeing every week. Back to the future, right? It is. But the, the centres the centers are still standing apart. But but the the combination um, was, was really good. Continued in the second half. Really exposed the Roosters' left edge. Cam Murray was fantastic. I say this every week about Adam Reynolds. His kicking was superb. And how good was Alex Johnson on the wing? Five tries. He's in my team of the season. As a winger, he's sensational. He, he, he was very close for me as well this year the, on the wing. He adds that, like, once he gets the ball, even if there's, like, a tiny gap, he's back to his pacey best. He, he explodes and he's hard to stop and he's a good finisher. And you need that. The wingers are vital now and he was incredible. Corey Allen's been brilliant for Souths. What about when he passed the ball back to Alex Johnson to get his fourth try? That was great. Corey Allen's getting better. He's getting more comfortable at fullback. Oh, mate, he's a very good fullback, actually. He's a good he's a good, good fullback from, you know, Latrell not being there. Five tries takes... How's our tipping? The Roosters are going to win this easily. 60-8. We were all over it. So I think the moral of this story is don't listen to our tipping. Um, Alex Johnson with five tries goes to 20 tries in the top try scorers list, the, the Ken Irvine medal, um, and the biggest win ever by Souths over Easts. I don't know if you heard this during the week. It's only been mentioned 2,000 times, but no team has conceded 50 in the regular season and won the grand final, which which everyone keeps mentioning. Um, Cody Walker, that was the best individual game by a single player I've seen this year. That's how good Cody Walker was in my opinion. Look, Cody Walker was... 
I mean, I love watching him play anyway because he he reads the game and he's instinctual, and he's he's got marvelous skill. But he was just far out, like unbelievable. Unbelievable. The first four or five tries, it was all him, looping around, offloads, passing, great hands. You know, he's the just his passing to Alex Johnson to put him into gaps, drawing the defense. He was just, just I can't, I can't believe how good he was. I mean, with South were were good, but Cody Walker made them phenomenal. Oh, he was. It's the best individual game I've seen from uh, a, a player this year. He was, he was sensational. Jake Friend left the field after three minutes as well with what they suspected was a cheekbone fracture. They're saying now it's not. The only positive I took for the Roosters out of this game, and they missed their right their right edge was missing Joey Manu and Brett Morris. So they're probably two of the better defensive edges in the competition. So that, that made a big difference. They're going to come back in this week. But the only positive was SBW did play 47 minutes for the Roosters. So what more is there to say about this? I mean, I mean, if they play like that every week in the finals, they'll win it. South. If they play like they did against the Roosters, that is the that is one of the top three teams in the comp, the benchmark over the last 10 years. 60. They scored 10 tries. Yeah, uh, incredible. It's one every eight minutes. I think 30 minutes to go, the Roosters were sort of still in the game. They put 34 points on with 30 minutes left. It was just a, an unbelievable performance. It, it isn't, I don't, I don't think it was luck. You know, sometimes things stick. They actually just tore them apart. Like Walker was either making breaks or putting someone into a gap or putting someone over for a try or setting up a play to create momentum. Like he was, it wasn't just his finishing. And he was all over, like he said, all over the ball. I mean, his try where he scored off the grubber, was that um, Corey Allen or was it Campbell Graham? It's Campbell Graham, I think. He looped around from the other side of the field. Like he was on, like you say, the same side of the field as Adam Reynolds and he popped through for a grubber. And he just, he, he was, his reading of the game and his, his anticipation was just all on show. It was just unbelievable performance. And you know what? He's capable of that. So if he plays like that in the semis, I don't know. This, you know what? Some of the teams aren't playing that well now. I think the Roosters, I'm shocked because they were sensational. And the Penrith. But Parra's gone off the boil a little bit. Melbourne's Melbourne. You know, but they, they struggle with that type of stuff in attack, Melbourne. When their defense is very, they, they expect a rigidity in the other team's attack. Cody Walker gives them a totally different look, and it throws Melbourne's defensive patterns out. So in the semis, they could struggle. Teams defend differently, right? So not not every team defends the same way. So Souths match up against the Roosters' ruck defense. You know they were they were really good against Para in the regular season as well. On their day, playing. The style of football they are, they're very, very hard to stop. Now, they're a little bit inconsistent. And I'm not sure they've got as much class in the forwards as some of those other teams. So as long as they can get a draw out of the forwards, then I think the rest of the game comes to them. I mean, I mean Cam, Cam Murray's an important player for them as well. So I think you're on the money there. I think that's where they're probably, you look at their forward pack and they do a job. But I wouldn't say they would dominate other packs necessarily. So, I mean, Damian Cook... Steps up a little bit of his running game, I think. I mean, he does run a fair bit, but if he can create a little bit more danger, I mean, they'll be really hard to beat. They will be hard to beat. Well, and so after after a wrap like that, 
get all your money on the nights this weekend. So correct, <laughs> everyone, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time of the week. If you're listening in the morning, grab yourself a cup of coffee, put your earphones on, sit out on the balcony, get some rays. If you're listening in the evening, grab a glass of red wine for it's that time of the week. It's Bulldogs Hour. Now, the Bulldogs played the Panthers. And I am amazed that the Bulldogs kept the Panthers to 42 points and only eight tries. Luckily, the Panthers rested a few players. You scored, carry the one. Oh, that's right, no tries. And the Panthers scored eight. Aiden Tolman. I felt sorry for Aiden Tolman in this game. He got ruled out just be in, ruled out in the warm up just before his last ever game for the Bulldogs. I think we found Josh Jackson's permanent position though because of that. Because of Aiden Tolman getting moved, ruled out, he played through the middle. He was much more effective through the middle. Penrith rested Dylan Edwards, Kikau, Stephen Crichton. Um, and this was their first game at ANZ. So they didn't warm up on the field because you're not allowed to warm up on the field at ANZ on grand final day. And they came in the day before to do kicking practice. So Nathan Cleary's got them thinking this was interestingly their first game at ANZ. Um, Canterbury did compete for the first 30 minutes. Yeah, and still ended up 42-0. That's what's incredible. But led in three tries down the left uh, of the Panthers' attack, the right-hand defence for the Dogs, and the second half was a procession. I mean, it was just there was it was just put the cue in the rack. They're going to kill them. Um, Luke Thompson is on report after an alleged on-field eye gouge accusation from James Tarmow. And Fatala Mariner looked the most likely for the Dogs, as he has been for most of this season. One of their better players. Hair Bear. He's got a great hairdo, Raymond. He's probably been our best player this year. And Yeah, I agree with that. And Isaiah Yeo and Jerome Luai were absolutely brilliant. Jerome Luai with four try assists. Uh, they were brilliant for the Panthers. Gee, I want to hand this over to you. It's been a long season for you. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you about the Bulldogs every week. It's been amazing. <laughs> no, it hasn't. Um, what, what did you take out of this First on the Bulldogs, start with your beloved Bulldogs and the magnificent strategy they've got in place there. Look, I think it's a good sign, as always. I mean, it's the last game. They're almost last. It's a good sign. It's only eight tries. No, the positive is their attitude for most half the game was pretty good, but they still lost 42-0. It's like, oh, my God. Their fitness is terrible. They, 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 they comp- it's the same story every week for the Dogs. They compete for the first 20 or 30 minutes, and then they're, they're, then they're gone for the rest of the game. I mean, look, Penrith, way too good. You can see the golfing class and... It's sad as a fan to see we're so far behind because Penrith had a lot of their reserves in there and their reserves blew us away. Yes. You know, which is kind of a concern. You can't turn that around quickly, you know. So I guess it was great. I enjoyed watching Brian Toto. He reminds me a little bit of Matt Utai with a little bit more speed. And height. Um, (laughs) Oh, geez, Matt Utai was... He, he was about 20 metres wide. but He, he, was about he reminds me of Matt Utai, except he looks nothing like him. <laughs> no, just the way he plays, his explosiveness is just phenomenal. I mean, what do you say? I mean, Jerome Luai, what a player. Huh? I think he's great. We all know the Panthers are good. We want you to focus on the dogs. Oh, well, Tenny Zelezniak, who <laughs> bought him for $700,000, he was woeful. His attitude, honestly, it's not about the fact that he didn't have a good game. His attitude was pathetic. 
It really was pathetic. This is what I've been waiting for. No, mate, you know what? I can see why the Panthers let him go. This guy's the captain of New or was the captain of New Zealand. He's lucky he's in first grade. Like some of those tries, I know it's the end of the season, but he was just half assing stuff. When when some of his inside defenders were still trying a little bit, and I think that was really poor. And but we're paying him massive money and he's been woeful all year. I don't know, nothing else to say other than the injuries. Sad injuries. Um, Ockenbohr, the youngster, you know, back, had a couple of good games and now he's, it looks like he's done his knee. And um, Faye Tyler Mariner went off injured as well, which was which was sad to see too. And I know you, you read a lot about Matt Burton, but is he like the biggest halfback of all time? Or He's very tall. He, he's like a, what, six foot seven halfback? Are we sure that... He's not a halfback. He's too big. No, he could... Brandy was a tall halfback, not as tall as... But he's he looks great. The times he's played, he's looked really good. I, I think I've got high hopes for Matt Burton, but maybe I'm not a good judge of character. I mean, if if he's a youngster and he's good, my recommendation would be don't go to the dogs. And I also think the dogs are likely to squander his talent. I mean, if you're if you're if you're a young player with talent, I mean, you're better off staying in Penrith. I mean, he might not get any game time, but but. Maybe the Warriors, although they've got halves as well. Gold Coast Titans is someone I'd be looking for, although they got Jamal Fogarty. I mean, maybe there's not a lot of options there, right? A lot of teams have got their set halfbacks now. What about the Broncos? If you're Matt Burton, why wouldn't you go? The Broncos are still a glamour club. They will come back. They, they will come back quicker than the Bulldogs will, even though they finished last. They're a corporate juggernaut, right, as, as, a, as an NRL team, so they will. Um, but, yeah, just, just a, t- a bad season... Most look mostly decent attitude by the players. They 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 put in a shift, but there's so many things wrong. You don't know where to start. Their fitness is off the pace. Some of the talent development and people we've let go has been. Some of the decisions are, are really questionable. And you look at players like Brent Naden, right? Brent Naden was there for the taking from any for any club in the last couple of years. He is unbelievable. Tall, skillful, fast. It's the way that team's playing as well. So It is, but he's been languishing in their reserve grade. He's 20, 23, 24, I think. Can I, t- can, I, can I mention something controversial? And we're going to talk about this a bit later when we preview the final. I think the Roosters yeah. might get Penrith this week. Well, that's going to be my tip. You stole my tip, but yes, I think the Roosters will knock them off. My tip is still a Roosters-Penrith grand final. I haven't, I haven't done the whole draw through there, but I think the Roosters could knock them off this week. So... All right, yeah, poor season. Penrith too good, forty-two nil, and it could have been sixty. Gee, so, can I just say you didn't disappoint? I had to prod you a little bit, but we got the fire in your belly out, so that was great. So moving on to the second game of Super Saturday, which wasn't so super. Um, the, the not Super Saturday, uh, Cronulla versus Cam. This is like the drunk Superman Saturday. This was just a terrible <laughs> round of football. Anyway, Cronulla versus Canberra. Canberra won thirty-eight to twenty-eight. Um, it was seven tries to five Canberra's way. Canberra rested, and I've got to read this out because there's so many. Don't even look. Just every, just say everybody. Nicole Klockstad, Jared Croker, Jordan Rapana, Jack White, and George Williams, John Bateman, Elliot Whitehead, Josh Papali, and Joey Tapine. Despite this, they completely dominated territory and field possession yeah. in the first yeah. half with a bunch of rookies. Tom Starling and Sam Williams were superb at at hooker and half. And and they were out twenty four four right, and the game was almost over at that point. Um, the the Sharks got and and Nakora got one back just before half time to make a twenty four ten at the half. Um, for the Sharks, no Sean Johnson, no Sharks, unfortunately. No. In in the second half, Cronulla fought back from thirty four ten down. 
to make a game of it. They got it back to 34-22. Uh, they got two tries against the Raiders' right edge, but 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 Cronulla got tackled in goal from the kickoff after a Canberra kickoff. Look, mate, look, don't even and, bother. Just move on with this. And then the, and and then they did a short kickoff to chase the game, and they scored without them laying a hand on Canberra. But it's just. I just don't know what to expect from this Cronulla team sometimes. They kept coming at 38-28, but the Raiders B team, too good. And I thought I did think it was William Kennedy's best game at fullback for the Sharks in weeks. That's probably my takeaway is I thought Kennedy was heavily involved and looked to get involved. And he, he's quite a good player, I think, William Kennedy. He's, he's got It's first year in first grade, really, as an established fullback. So I thought he played well. But the best thing I can say about the Sharks is a bit of the retro... Um, Look with the Sharks jerseys, that sort of de- deeper, darker, light blue. Going back to the 80s, other than that, mate, I've got nothing else. Canberra Milk's the yeah. new sponsor of Canberra as well. so uh, Yeah, that's great. Other than that, honestly, it was good to see some of the young guys get their debut and stuff like that. Other than that, can't take away anything. The rest of the whole team. I mean, but, but Canberra's going to kill them this week, aren't they? I mean, they've got to go to Canberra. All their best players are rested. They're gonna they're gonna kill them this week. I mean, their B their B team killed them. So I think just the Sharks just don't have any spark in attack to no. beat these guys. And no, I think offensively too many gaps. There's six teams and then the rest. I really yep. think that. So all right, moving on to the last game of not so super Saturday. This was the game of the round. Um, the Tigers versus the Eels. We got up in the end. The mighty Eels, twenty eight twenty four. It was five tries apiece though. Goal kicking and Adam Duehi. Although he had a brilliant game, his goal kicking was off. I was I nervous. Think if his goal kicking was on, I think Parra would have lost that game. Yeah, potentially, but we yeah. didn't. But it we didn't. kept them just just distance the Tigers enough. No, it but I thought I thought it was one of those it was one of those games where we I always thought even when they were leading, I didn't ever thought I thought we'd always come back. I didn't think they had our measure at any point. So I was thinking more the time they were getting ahead. And well, just wasn't but even then they looked calm. They weren't panicking, right? So I was nervous about this game before kickoff. But but I did. They did look calm, right? Benji Marshall and Chris Lawrence's last game. Para had a fast start with Junior Paulo, Reed Marnie, and Mitch Moses looking good and combining really well, along with Nathan Brown. They were really good at the start, right? Luke Garner versus Andrew Davey. So Luke Garner on the right for the Tigers, Andrew Davey on the left for Para. The 28-year-old rookie. Great battle in the first half. Para was up 16-8 at halftime, deservedly, I thought. So I thought we were the better team in the first half. The The Tigers came out breathing fire, though, in the second half. And and when Benji got hurt and Adam Dewey, he moved to the halves. Um, and he played absolutely great, except for the goal kicking. It was five tries apiece, as I mentioned, but Dewey, he only kicked one out of five. So... That was that was it in a nutshell. The game, um, Duehi, Luciano Leilua, and Tommy Talao actually played great with three unanswered tries in the second half. Uh, we didn't look flustered though. We turned on the afterburners with Will Smith and Reed Marnie going over. Reed Marnie first, and then Will Smith. So I always thought that's a good sign that you don't panic when you're under pressure. And you still believe in yourself to to score, and we did that in the last fifteen minutes to take the lead. Clint Gutherson's tackle when we were up 28-24, he put the tackle of the season in the last three minutes on Luke Garner. He was clean through and looked certain to score. And Luke Garner is a big guy and he should have scored. But Gutho, just sensational, has been our player of the year along with Junior Paulo um, and Nathan Brown for that matter. Ryan Madison also. So we've had a few good players, but but it's, he's the only he's the only back, I think, that's in the in the running there, Gutho. 
Um, and Luke Garner's shown a bit for the Tigers over this season, so I think he's been he's been a find for them as well. So um, a win. I thought our attack looked a bit better, and ironically in this game I thought our defence was a bit more challenged. So um, after the Broncos, they were whilst they scored the same same amount of tries as they scored against the Broncos, it looked a bit more fluid this time round. Maybe they've concentrated on that a little bit more this week and said, look, we've got to get our attack right before the semis. Defensively, I think they know they're good. They, they've they got a good attitude, Para. Their defense can be superb and has, has they've shown that throughout the year. So I think, look, for me, it was a good game to watch. Didn't take too much away. The Tigers, same, same. Start off a bit slow, looking you know off the pace. And then the second half, they flick a switch and start throwing the ball around and score some good tries, and it's been a pattern for the last, what, five, six weeks. I actually thought they might get Para towards the end, but I don't know if Para upped the tempo, so to speak, but it's almost like they knew that if they stepped it up a bit more and came with a little bit more intensity, they would run over the top of them, and they did. They scored a little bit easily at the end. I think Para's playing to its opponent's level. So so what I mean by that, yeah, they play, they, they play down and they play up, depending on who they're playing, and I think that's Para at the moment. I haven't I haven't looked at it that way, but I think that pretty much fits with my perception of them. That, that they are very hot and cold. They know they're good, but it's almost like they do enough to beat the shitty teams, and they then all of a sudden their intensity and dif- scrambling defense is incredible against the teams that are, you know, I mean the performance against Penrith and against Melbourne they were fantastic. So they do up. They have a gear. They have gears, para. Yeah, I think that's yeah, right. They can flick through. And I think that's what showed up on the weekend. They sort of went up a gear or two and came over the top of the Tigers when they needed to. But big win, right? Top four. I mean, they probably would have finished fifth. So, look, they would have been the Sharks. But nevertheless, you don't know who gets injured or anything like that. Top four, you get a second bite. A third chance play Melbourne in Brisbane or Sunshine Coast. Um, no, I think it's in Brisbane. It's at Suncorp. So um, I, I think we're a chance of upsetting Melbourne. We beat them 14-0 last time we played them. I know they had a lot of outs, but... Um, I think it's a good matchup for Para. I think... And, and we've played them, I think, seven times in the last seven times we've been in the finals. Um, and we've lost... We've got a, five times in the last five times we've been in the finals, and we've got an 0-5 record against them. So, so 2006, 2007, 2009, 17, 19, and 20. Six straight final series, the Eels will play the Storm. We've got a 0-5 record to date. Two losses in week one, one loss in week two, one prelim and one grand final. So we don't have a great record in the finals against against the Storm. So no, um, Not many people do, but yeah, except the Warriors and the Roosters. And we move on to the last two games of the regular season and the last two games of this godforsaken round, the bizarro game of the Warriors versus the Sea Eagles. The war- speed it up, speed it up. I will, I will. So we won't say too much about these next two <laughs> games. The Warriors beat the Sea Eagles 40-28, to 28, eight tries to six. Manly, the Manly Guard of Honour for the Warriors was a great tribute. The Warriors have done amazing for this comp this year. Adam Blair's last game, 331 in the NRL and 50 test matches. Um, yeah, nice gesture, nice gesture by the Sea Eagles. Really, really great gesture by the Sea Eagles. Great for Adam Blair. I mean, he has been remarkably inconsistent. His last couple of years at the Warriors have been good, but but there's been times. When, remember when he was at the Broncos? I mean, it was just terrible. Oh, yeah, there. no, yeah. that was Adam Blair all over. He, yeah. he just had this great athleticism, good talent, good skill, but you'd see that game maybe five or six times a year. 
and you'd be waiting for it seven or eight times a year. Yeah. So yeah, that's Adam Blair all over. Manly got off to a great start. Daily Cherry Evans pass left to right, cut out pass to set up oh, that was Ruben great. Gary. That's right. Oh wow! How many people in the comp do you reckon could do that? There's not a lot. There is not a lot that can throw that pass. There's been a lot of these floating type of passes, but that was just like a a torpedo that arced up and just went straight into his. He's right-handed. It went the wrong way, going against his body, left to right, straight into his chest. It was a great pass. I don't know how many. People can throw that pass. Peter Hiku then dropped the Cherry Evans bomb and Manly went on to score. They got out to a 10-0 lead. Tavita Funa and Cherry Evans then ran into each other whilst fielding an innocuous (laughs) kick. And Cody Nikarima just regathered and scored. Then Manly was offside from the restart and it was all down from there. I mean, the, the Warriors just ran in five unanswered tries. Katoa got a double on the right edge for the Warriors. Uh, and poor Morgan Harper this game. He came back down to earth. He had some really poor reads in defence. He did. He got schooled. He got. He schooled. got schooled this this game. Uh, it, he he still would have been your best defensive centre against the Panthers. I have no comment on any centres in this game whatsoever, considering two of them were in our lower grades and didn't get a shot anywhere. I mean, just before half time, Daly Cherry Evans also set up that try when he kicked inside his 40. This is what I'm saying about team. There's a lot of teams attacking from... Uh, yeah, yeah, but it was like totally lucky bounce. I love the commentators. They're like, oh, what a great kick. Like, it's, it's- Sure, but he was trying it. Your your point was, are they attacking? And I'm saying, yes, that's been more of a trend. I think it's great when they try that stuff. Yeah, I love it. And Miski went 60 metres to score. So it was only 26-14 at half. How about Abbas Miski, right? He was never going to pass that poor... Never. That's why you're like... <laughs> Never. <laughs> You're like, you should pass the ball. And he's, this guy's like, I'm doing everything I can not to pass. Step, shimmies, a whole lot. His post, his post Shaq trade Kobe. He wasn't passing the yeah, ball. he wasn't passing the ball. No the second half was crazy. I mean, it was three tries apiece. Um, Adam Kieran, Bulldogs <laughs> Jr. Can we move on, please? Finished with a hat-trick on the Warriors, left at edge against another Bulldogs Jr., Morgan Harper. But... Both of those are players you can build a future around. I mean, and they're not there. I mean, I know he was no. in the halves at the Bulldogs, but but, but nevertheless, he's fast and he's he's quite a skillful player. And the well, man, Manly you know, seem to have turned him into a centre, right? So so like, you've got Nick Kotrick, Tim Laffey, and Remus Smith. Well, Nick Kotrick's not there yet, but Tim Laffey and Remus Smith were your centres this year. Like more, you, you're better off with Adam Kieran and Morgan Harper, weren't you? I mean, I, I just don't, I don't understand it. I do. The club's effed. But anyway, continue. <laughs> so Mis- Miski scored direct from the kickoff in the second half, but but he looked like he suffered a serious injury in the game. So we wish him well. Um, a I, lot I, of injuries I th- this week. This week, a lot, a lot of, of injuries. Injuries the last couple of weeks. Not good to see. You know, Achilles for SJ. You know, Stags. Katoni Stags with the ACL. Ockenball. Like just. Not good to see. I don't know if it's the their bodies are they haven't been training as. What did Aiden Tolman have? I didn't hear what Aiden Tolman had. He got a calf injury. Calf injury. Okay. So yeah, but like a lot of players going down with serious injuries. Not not good to see. Well, you know what it is. I don't think they've had reserve grades. So I reckon if you're no, if you, you know if you're coming into the team new or you've had a few weeks out, I think it does. You know, you don't get a run. And, into the team, like it's, it's so your match fitness isn't yeah, there. Yeah, the match fitness isn't there, and I think no. it takes a little bit of while to, to to get there. What about the next game, the Dragons versus Storm? Jeez. Well, the, the well, I mean, Saints got up thirty to twenty-two, five tries apiece. Ryan Pappenhausen 
of Ryan Pappenhuysen, um, should not be let anywhere near goal kicking. He, he and Adam Dewey, he had a race for the worst goal kicking of the round. Melbourne rested Adokar, Vunavalu, Branko Lee, although they weren't able to tell, Justin Olam, Cam Muster, Jerome Hughes, Cam Smith, Jesse Bromwich, Nelson Asofa Solomona, all were rested. Ryan Pappenhuysen's goal kicking was the only thing that kept Saints in the game. Um, if he had kicked the goals, they would have been miles out at halftime. It would have changed the second half. They would have won the game in a, in a, in a canter. I agree. Yeah. Tyson Frizzell got a double in his last game for Saints before switching to the Knights. Matt Dufty's had a great season. I, I, you know, you've said it earlier on this season. Why he wasn't playing, God only knows. He was involved in everything good for the Saints. Um, but the Storm did miss 27 tackles. It's been like that all, all year. All year, right? Whenever something good happens, he's usually involved, or your favourite, Zach Lomax, you know? Yeah, it's well, that's been right. Like that all year. Cam Smith was... Uh, Cam Smith. Cam McInnes was great, um, So and deserved his origin call-up. He's been playing well for two years for, for, for a Saints team that has not been playing well for two years. Um, Brandon Smith started at hooker for the Storm. I think he ran into a few dead ends in attack on the last tackle. So he wasn't fantastic at hooker in this game. He's not a hooker. Well, he is a hooker. He's the Kiwi hooker. He's, he's actually a very good hooker. But week in, week out, he's been playing in the back row. And I just, I just going cold into hooker when you haven't had any reps there, I think it's hard work. Because he ran away from his halves at times and he, and he ran into dead ends. I think he's a better back rower. So it'll be interesting to see what Cam Smith does. I think Harry Grant comes back, and I think Cam Smith retires, and I think Brandon Smith is now a back rower. I think that's right. I think that's where they end up. Yeah, and the rumours are Barrett really wants him but uh, as a hooker, though. But I don't think he's... He's a great player. He's effective, but I don't think he's your Harry Grant type of hooker, which is kind of what I think you need these days. Well, he could be, but he needs a run at it, right? So I just... He's he's too nuggety. Too nuggety. Different body shape. Don't know. I, I, I'm not prepared to judge him on round 21 game at hooker all season. Oh, and I've been watching him at hooker throughout the year. He's 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 only been at hooker two or three games. He's only at hook. He's only played hooker two or three games. He's Cam Smith plays 80 minutes most weeks. He had a couple of weeks out when he's when he hurt himself scoring that try. Um, Can you imagine all the hookers that Cam Smith's probably you know ruined their careers because they were sitting there waiting to get a chance and the guy never gets injured. He's never out. He plays great every week. Well, I think he'll retire. The rumor is he'll retire because his family's gone up to Queensland and they they want to retire in Queensland. I oh, think is that right? Yeah, and I think the rumor is they've really enjoyed it and they're going. Why are we going to go back to Melbourne for another year? I think that's done then. If the family's like, we're not coming back. It's done. Well, I mean, I mean, Craig Bellamy spends his off seasons in. Craig Bellamy doesn't live in Melbourne. No. He lives. He lives in Queensland. He spends six months of the the off season. He spends in Queensland. So I mean, he lives in Melbourne, but it's only during the season. So, um, so I think I think I think that's what'll happen there. So that that what did you have to say about this game? I can't really add anything that you haven't touched on already. They rested, you know, half the team. They're still all pretty much too good. But I'm surprised by um, Saints' attitude in a way. Like last week, I thought they were horrible. And they played like they didn't give us stuff. But this week, they hung in there. And, you know, they did win the game. I mean, I know the goal kicking made a difference. But the fact that they were still fighting to the end was a good sign. Some of the, It was good to see some of the young guys get a run. Like Max Fiangi, I think his name is. And um, Jaden Sullivan. And I think, you know, they were probably enthusiastic and wanted to win. Because it's the first game in first grade. And really wanted to, you know, keep going to the end. So I think that added a little bit of enthusiasm to Saints. Good to see they played right through to the end, really. And that's about it. I was surprised they won still, but good on them. 
Well, I think the ga- if, if Ryan Pappenhausen kicks the goals, the game's over. I mean, admittedly, they were hard kicks. They weren't easy kicks. But um, I think they, you know, if they're, if they're 24 instead of 16 at halftime, I think I think it's, it's game over, right? So that concludes the National Rugby League regular season, 20 rounds in a COVID hit year. Congratulations to the NRL, Andrew Abdo, Peter Volandes for getting us this far. We've now got... The finals to go, really exciting part of the season, and then Origin. So we're we're, we're near the end. We've only got six or seven weeks to go. Um, hopefully, we'll finalise the men of league. We'll post that somewhere online because we're not going to waste any time on the podcast given the reception. <laughs> oh, geez, thanks. I've did so much research on that. I had to look at hundreds of photos of NRL players. Did you? Did, did I mean for those that don't know the painstaking research G has done into men of league? He has nearly half the NRL with AVOs out on him. Oh God! No, they no, they don't. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. I mean, Phil Gould doesn't want a bar of you after your online <laughs> trolling of him. So, moving on to the round one of the finals, the Friday night game is the Panthers versus the Roosters. The Roosters have one and a half point start. Roosters are two dollars, and the Panthers are a dollar eighty favourites. This is the tightest game for the book- bookies to call at sports bet. Um, I think. That it's been so long since Penrith have been tested. It was a really, really tough game. And I think they weren't in the semifinals last year. And this is a young team. It's a bit like the first time you come into Origin. It, and, and Or the NBA f- playoffs might be another way to think of it. Like the, the basketball changes in the playoffs and I think the footy changes. It becomes a lot tighter, a lot tougher, less space, harder to break down. For this reason... I think the Roosters will get them. What do you think? I agree. This was my um, tip is I thought, I think the Panthers are still a sensational team, but they're young, haven't been tested at a semi-level. The pressure ramps up. It does get tighter. Their defences get a little bit faster. It does happen. Um, All you have to do is really go back and watch a game of any previous semi-final season, watch uh, how much more intense and fast the game is. And I think the Roosters are experienced all over the park. They're at full strength, other than Jake Friend, who is a massive loss, I have to say, with his experience and just his his determination and ability around the ruck. But I think I think Penrith will run them close. But I think the Roosters will pip them this week. I really think they will beat them. Yeah, I think I think the other thing is the Roosters have got something to prove after the Souths game. The other thing I will say is um, I I do think. Um, you know the Roosters know what they're doing. They just they're just a hard unit. Like I just think, you know, they'll be there or thereabouts come prelim final time. You know, and I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. If any team is going to concede 50 points in the regular season and still win the comp, it's going to be this Roosters team. And whilst whilst no one's conceded 50 points, the year Newcastle beat Para 2001, they conceded 40 odd points like five times that season, including 40 nil to Parramatta during the regular season. So it's not like it's not like Teams haven't been thrashed during the season and come back. So it- no, that Newcastle team had flaws that year, but their attack was so great that they could whip people as well. So their four and against was actually quite strong. We shouldn't yeah, have, we shouldn't right. have lost that year. We shouldn't have lost that year. But anyway, I'm not opening old wounds. No, and I like the bench of the Roosters. I think they they've got a strong, far stronger bench than um, the Panthers. Who's playing Sunny Booker for now. the Roosters? Who's playing Booker for the um, Roosters? Freddie Lussick. Right, and so Appy Corusau. 
they've got the advantage there, but I think Lachlan Lamb also adds something a little bit different out of there in the, in out of dummy half. But they've got Crichton, who's other than last week been in good form. Sonny Bills playing more and more. Lindsay Collins, tall, athletic. I'd rather have Lusick than than Lamb there. Just for the defense, at least, at least, at least defensively, he can get the job done there, right? One area to watch out for in this game, from my perspective, is I know it was South, but Josh Morris was found wanting a couple of times against Walker and some of the changes in direction and space, and the Panthers attacked that side quite well with Liam Martin and um, Brent Naden. And I think that's an area to watch out for. And just Jerome Luai stepping back in, he should be marked up against Satili Tupanua. And he's not, you know, hasn't been around forever. He's still fairly young, inexperienced. So that could be something to watch out for. But Tupanua, um, T, has speed and agility. And I think you need that on the fringe to stop Luai. He, he really catches out lazy defenders, sort of taking a break on the inside all the time. So it'll be a great game. Um yeah, I guess my matchup, my key matchup is probably that side with Cordner and and Morris versus Martin and Naden and Toto. I think that's that'll win the game for the Panthers if they dominate that edge because I think that's where the Roosters are a little bit weaker. Yeah, I don't I don't think this game will come down to the edges. I've got to be honest. I think I think finals football for for the for the, for the edge to matter, the forwards need to get on top, and I, and I do think that that's where. The Roosters can keep the game tighter. You've got to remember the Roosters defend through the ruck. And if they can slow the Panthers' ruck down and possession is 50-50 and the penalties are 50-50 and, and the weight of possession territory is 50-50, I just think they can grind this game out. Oh, yeah, I do agree with that. They've got a lot more of the grind in them. Than- well, we don't know. That's the issue. We don't know. Maybe they do have the grind. We don't know whether what Penrith's got. They, it's been so long since they've been tested. It is. And, you know... It's a funny thing, right? They're, they're playing with so much enthusiasm and confidence, it could actually go for them because they always think something's going to work. Or the fact is it's been so easy, like you say, and all of a sudden it gets a bit hard, they might not know how to react because it has been easy. They've been blowing teams away pretty easy. I thought their performance against Parramatta was great and the only reason the score wasn't 50 nil was because Parramatta's defense was amazing. So they did step up in that game. So let's let let's let's see how we go. So okay, moving on to the next game, Raiders versus the Sharks. I mean, this is a semi-final. The Raiders are a dollar twenty favourites. The Sharks are four dollars fifty, and they have thirteen and a half point start. And they're not the shortest priced favourites for this game either, mind you, for this round, mind you. But um, I don't think there's a lot to say here. I don't see a world unless the Raiders suffer five injuries in the first twenty minutes where the Sharks win this game. Look. No. I mean, they rested... The, the Raiders' B team blew them away last week. And the Sharks, they've got a few changes here. They're a little bit stronger, but really, it's only one or two players, and they're not going to make a difference. So... Well, who... I mean, Sean Johnson's just a massive out for them. It is. I mean, Dugan will make them a little bit more solid in defence, because they had a couple of rookies last week. But other than that, T, I can't see anything changing. I mean, who's... How can they stop the Raiders at full strength? And like I said the other week, Rapana in the centres makes them better. I love the move of Tarpane into the starting team as well. He's really come on. He's he's tall and athletic and quite a rangy sort of back rower type. And I love um, C. Soliola back. 
as well. I think he's really experienced, really good player. That, he had that facial fracture, didn't he? Yeah, the jaw, jaw fracture. So Really quite bad. So it's good to see him back. No, I can't. I can't see. I don't think there's a lot more to say. I think it's down in Canberra. They're going to have a crowd there. I just, I just cannot see the Sharks getting close. I don't think this will be. I a close think game. Raiders by sixteen to twenty this week. I really think it'll be that easy. Yeah, I, th- I don't think this will be a close game. All right, the last game on Super Saturday is the Storm versus the Eels. Um, the Storm are a dollar eighteen favourites. Pa- para are five dollars and have a thirteen and a half. Point start on sports bet. I am tipping the Eels. The, this is a hard game for me to pick. The finals come come to you. Like Para plays to the level of its opponent, and finals footy comes towards them because the games are tighter. I I think the Eels' defence will be on song, and I think with the fluidity we've shown in attack, I think we'll be able to 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 give the Storm a real run. Maybe I'm talking through a fan's perspective, but I think Brent. I think Branko Lee can be can be exploited. <laughs> I think he can be he can be exploited. Dylan Brown's back for us, and I think that's a big big in for us because it gives us another the other ruck now. The other side of the ruck is now dangerous for us. I was going to ask you about that because he's had surgery on his syndemosis injury. Mm-hmm. I, I think the thing that makes him fantastic is his ability to step and and be a running five eight at times as well as a ball player. If that hampers him, and I think it will, do you think that that will actually really stuff up the Eels this week? No, because... Because I think they're counting on him to make a difference. No, because I don't think he has to make a difference. He just needs to... Like I said to you, when you... when Because what they'll do is they'll, they'll still do the set plays, right? So they'll attack down one side and then set it up back through the middle. And then the halves will be on either side of the ruck. And yep. with Parramatta, the issue you've got is whichever side of the ruck Mitchell Moses is on, the ball goes there 90% of the time. Now, yes. when when Dylan Brown is out, the ball goes there 100% of the time. Yeah, so okay. he doesn't need to be 9 out of 10. He just needs to put the defence in two minds that the ball could go out to Dylan Brown. And then gotcha. he could they pass can't... it. You know, it's too predictable otherwise. Yes, it makes the defence hesitate even a tiny bit. Well, well, because they just number up on Mitchell Moses' side that makes his job harder, right? And then he starts running sideways and into the space of his outside backs and, and no one's talking and, and it can look really turgid. That's why Dylan Brown's so important. He also straightens up that attack. So if I'm if I'm Brad Arthur, all I'm telling Dylan Brown to do is either pass or run straight but make the decision early and stick to it. So don't ask him to do too much. If you get the ball and you want to have a run, have a run, run straight, run at the gap. If you're going to pass the ball, pass the ball early. But call for the ball and make the defense think about both sides of the ruck. This I don't I don't think this is a even. I don't, this is a very even game. I don't I think this really is a dollar eighteen, five dollars, thirteen and a half point start game. Absolutely I don't think it's that type not. of game. Look, Parramatta counters Melbourne's strengths quite well, and vice versa. Their forward packs, starting packs are quite good, both of them. They're mobile, they're tough, they're rangy, and their bench. Their benches are pretty good and balanced as well. Like, I like Parra's bench. I like the addition of Will Smith. I like Davey's been a real find as a rookie, 28-year-old. Yeah. He's got great enthusiasm, good engine. And Kane Evans, talent coming out of everywhere. And Neocore is, is a good fringe runner and a tough player. So, but, but having said that, I'm not sure I'm going to bring myself to be able to watch the game, but... I'm one of these guys that can't watch the game when when it's tight and when your team's playing. So, um, do, do you know what I think? 
I think I the Eels are going to get him. I think the Eels are going to get him. I think the Eels have got the matchup that they probably want the most in terms of I think they match up with Melbourne better than the other two teams in the eight, in the top four. I actually think Melbourne will get them, though. I think I've got too much faith in their back line. I just think they have a little bit more danger in their back line. But I'm with you. I think Branko Lee... Brad Arthur's just called in. He's got a message for you, G. Fuck you. Thanks, Brad. I appreciate it. Just don't block me on Twitter. Um, but I think... I think having Brown, Jennings, and Sevo running at Brenko Lee can cause them a few issues. So I think um, Parra's got a little bit of strength where they're a little bit weak, Melbourne. So we'll see how that goes on the weekend. But I'm expecting a great game. I think if Parra wins, though, I think Gutherson will have his hands all over the, the victory. I really do. He'll make it. He'll he'll make the plays to win the game. I can feel your nervousness about that game, though, T. So I'll I'll be messaging you during the game. Moving on to the Sunday game is the South Sydney Rabbitohs versus the Newcastle Knights. Souths are $1.35 favourites. Newcastle are the outsiders at $3.25. Eight and a half point start for the Knights. This is being played at ANZ, the home of South Sydney Rabbitohs. If Souths play like they did last week, and if Newcastle play the way they did last week, I don't know what the finals record is for most amount of points scored. <laughs> But, but it's got to be a chance of being broken if they play like that. Now, Newcastle bounce back. Newcastle bounce back after they get smashed and, and Souths always come back to the field after they put in a good performance. So it gives me some hope about this game. But in the end, I think Souths, the way they've been playing, I, I just can't see them. I just can't see Newcastle troubling them. I'm the same. I, I like, you know, the look of some of Newcastle's players. I like Edric Lee. He's like a gangly spider. Oh, legs and arms everywhere. He, he's a he's an awkward player to watch, but quite effective. You know, their centres have got pace and power, Tuala and Best, but mate, last week against the Titans, like some of their efforts in defence were poor. Like, are they going to really step it up in the semis? Look, being a... You know, their forward leader's Clemmer. I've always had my doubts about Clemmer. Great physical specimen, does a lot of work. But there's a lot of gaps in defence. He's like a more mobile napper, and I think sometimes his attitude isn't always the greatest. And I think sometimes that rubs off being the forward leader at Newcastle at times. Unless Caelan Ponga has an absolutely phenomenal game, I can't see the Knights winning. Clemmer's been good for them, just tucking Statistically, his... he's sensational. Statistically, he's great. But... You know he's been he's had a he's had a good season for them, but I just I mean I just he's got too much class outs. It's not a, it's not a Melbourne Para game where you look at the rosters and you go actually these teams are talent wise Para could I look at the teams on paper and I go Souths have got the more talented players. Campbell Graham has been sensational for them in the centres this year. They also lack a little bit of experience the nights in the semis like Hamill Hunt. What's well, the first time since twenty thirteen, isn't it? Yeah, like Mason Lino. You know I mean these guys can play, but they haven't been in the semis before and a lot of the South players have so I think the only way Newcastle can win is on the back of some individual brilliance that changes the momentum of the game like if Kurt Mann pulls something out and you know he's capable of that at times or Ponga carves up the defense constantly other than that I can't see them winning at all like they just don't like you say have the class I don't think South can match their forwards but they've got the class in the back line that makes them a lot better. I mean, having said that, I think Bradman Best and Tuala have. I think that's a good centre pairing. It is, yeah, definitely. Um, but but yeah, I just look at this team and I go, 
You know, I, I, I wonder. I wonder if Adam O'Brien hasn't got this team playing above its level on paper. Uh, it's a poss- distinct possibility that that's the case. If I look at their players, like I like Mason Leno, he's a bit tricky. But the thing is, if you compare him to Cody Walker, he's not as dynamic. Yeah. In any way, and then Mitchell Pierce isn't as dynamic. I like Pierce's involvement, but it's you know you're, you're kind of organising. They don't have the the punch other than Ponga. Well, Mitchell Pe- Mitchell Pierce is a liability in defence, though, right? I mean, he you is. just you just yeah. you just keep running at him. All right, so our tips for this round are the Roosters. I think we're in agreement there. The yes. Raiders. Yeah. We're split on the next game. You're going for the yeah. Storm. I'm going for the Eels. I've got the Storm. And on the Sunday game, I've got Souths and you've got Newcastle. Oh, I've, got, I've got Souths. We've both got Souths. Unless, so. unless Caelan Ponga honestly gets a 10 out of 10, I don't think they, they, they can't beat Well, them. I mean, he's capable of producing a game like like what Cody Walker produced on the weekend, isn't he? He's a great player. All right, moving on to segment three, a special segment. Our players of the – our team of the year. Uh, we've, we've done it – actually, we've done it – extraordinary amount of research into these teams so i will we we're going to start off at the fullback position we're not going to do it like the dally m so we're going to name a full 13 and then g's got um his opposite of the team of the season that is <laughs> the that worst, is, worst team of the, season. <laughs> the opposite of his team of the season that he's gonna he's gonna um go through at the end as well so we'll start with fullback i mean this what a loaded fullback class we've got. Tedesco, Ponga, Gutho, King Gutho, Ryan Pappenhuysen, AJ Brimson, Matt Dufty, Roger Tuovasashek. The list goes on and on. For me, it came down to James Tedesco and Kalen Ponga. And I went with Kalen Ponga. Okay. Over James Tedesco. You've got a different name for your team, G. I do. Look, I love Kalen Ponga. I love watching him play. I like his footwork, his skill, his balance. I like everything about him. But for me, I think his stats matched up well with Pappenheisen. They were a little bit better. But I felt that he was also a beneficiary of playing for Newcastle and he's kind of their main attacking threat as well. Whereas Pappenheisen, that's kind of distilled a little bit in Melbourne um, across different areas of the, the field. And I just think Ryan Pappenheisen just makes Melbourne, he just gives them that little bit extra. And without him, they probably lose three or four games that they won. I think I think Adam O'Brien's attack is very similar to the Melbourne Storm attack. So I, I had a look at this on a couple of different levels. This uh, I just want to give you, I'm not saying you're right or wrong, but where I landed, why I landed with Kalen Ponga. Um, if you look at it on a per game basis, um, I'm just trying to find the, the, the statistics here. Okay. So I've got Kalen Ponga here had, find him. Kalen Ponga had, Kalen Ponga ran for 146 meters a game. He had, 14 line breaks, 111 tackle busts. Tedesco had 14 line breaks, had 114 tackle busts. He ran for 3,300 metres a game. Tedesco had 22 offloads. Um, Ponga only had nine. Ponga had the addition of the goal kicking. Um, 
Tedesco's defense was heaps better than Ponga's, but I just thought Ponga just gave a little bit more X factor to Newcastle. Now he wasn't as consistent as James Tedesco, but you know I could I I couldn't split them in the end. I just went for Ponga because his team, you know, I, I just thought it was a bit of a breakout year for him. I mean, I know he played well last year, but but he's he's morphing into a superstar. I mean, I could yep. easily be convinced of Tedesco. Now Pappenheisen probably passed the eye test for me a bit more, but he scored. He scored seven tries to yep. Ponga's ten. He had, you know, ten try, ten try assists. Ponga had fifteen. Ran for a bit more meters, two thousand nine hundred versus Ponga's two thousand six hundred. Yet Ponga had more line breaks, more tackle busts, more offloads, and and again his his defense was was better than better than Ponga's. So, but but I just thought it came down to Ponga and. Tedesco for me. Caelan Ponga, Pappenhuysen, Tedesco, and Clint Gutherson. Clint Gutherson just mate, is everywhere when he plays for Para. I love the way he gets involved in the game. He's he's always trying to win and will his team to victory, and he's heavily involved. So I think either of those four players you could have picked, it wouldn't have made a difference at all. It's just so loaded. Yeah, and I went for Pappenhuysen simply maybe a little bit you know, more of his effectiveness with Melbourne and Melbourne winning more games and being in the top four, I think. Um, but yeah, uh, either or, doesn't matter. Can I can I change my mind to James Tedesco? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so I just, it's hard to go past. How lucky are we to have these fullbacks? I had Tedesco fourth, actually, because I just think that maybe his, his bar is so high that when he plays pretty well, you kind of don't think he's playing that well, if that makes sense. You know, I just thought for the Roosters, he went through a period where he was playing all right, but not. I didn't think he was playing as well as Gutherson and Ponga and the others. But either, yeah, any of those four, no problem. So I've got Pappenheisen and you've got Tedesco. Yep. And so if we move on to the wingers, you go with the wingers. You, you talk about the wingers first and I'll tell you where I landed. I've got Ado Carr. I think it's no secret I'm a massive fan. I just think he makes Melbourne so dangerous and his acceleration and the way he's involved and some of the tries he scores. He just makes a. He makes, he makes turns half chances into tries for Melbourne, and I think that's incredibly important. And I just love the way he plays. He plays with a real joy as well. Um, 15 tries. And my other winger is Alex Johnston. But I just think whenever he's been at wing for the Souths, he's been dynamic all year. He's back to his form that he had a few years ago. So Alex Johnson was third on my list. I had Josh Adokar as well for all the reasons. And surprising, one thing surprising about Josh Adokar that people overlook is his defense is quite good. Yes, it is actually. You think he's a, he's kind of a sort of a skinnier, angular, t- tallish winger, but his defense is very good. It is. He's he's a better defensive winger than people give him credit for. Um, I actually had Brett Morris for that reason. I thought Brett Morris was sensational for the Roosters this year. Yeah, he was very good. And Very so, good. and and defensively, he is probably the best winger in the game still at thirty-five. I don't think I could necessarily argue with that. Like defensively, I'm not saying he's got the same speed and all the rest of he it. He doesn't, but, but, but defensively, he is very, very good. He's very underrated defensively, Brett Morris. Always has been. It's because he was always so dynamic in attack. I think and a great finisher. He got twelve tries, seven try assists. Um, he ran for nearly two thousand meters. He had twenty line breaks. 53 tackle busts, 15 offloads, had the best tackling percentage, effective tackling percentage of any of these players. But Alex Johnson was was my next one. 
Having said that, I think they played him at fullback a little bit too much for him for me to be able to consider him. So I, I had a rule that people had to have started, you know, 15, 14, 15 games to, to be considered. If you only play okay. 10 in the position, yeah. then I didn't consider you as Well, part you can of see it. that's why I said when he's played wing, because there were a few games he played at fullback. Can I talk about a couple of players that missed out and why yeah, they missed sure. out for my team? So Norfolk and Kyle Felt missed out. Everyone's had a really big rap, and those of, those of you that listen to us throughout the the weekly shows will know that Norfolk has had a outstanding season. Oh, some of his stuff in attack has been sensational. Fantastic. And Sivo started out really well as well, but but both of them miss out because their defence got was terrible towards the back end of the season. I agree. And I think that's the reason why Norfolk didn't get picked in origin. His defence wasn't fantastic. And Kyle Felt, for the same reason, Kyle Felt made 99 tackles this year and missed 37. <laughs> to, give you, to give you some idea of his effective percentage. Um, he's just not the greatest. Not the greatest. No, 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 no. Whereas, whereas Josh Adokar only missed twelve tackles all year. Yeah, some of the other ones that you know I were close for me were Nick Kotrick. Nick Kotrick was close. I thought Sione Katoa had a quite a good year for for the Sharks he and did. David Norfoluma as well. So yeah, I, I had yeah. I had them there. So so there are thereabouts. So, um, shall we move on to the centers? Do you want me to do the centers? Yes. You, so, you start off with your centers. All right. So for the centers, I landed on. I really agonised around the center position. I've got to be honest with you. Uh, really tough, tough position because um, they're, they're 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 a bit like back rowers. And so I think the best, the most important thing for a center is able to tackle. So then you look through the tackling statistics and you go, "Oh my god, this is terrible." Um, so so which is what ruled Stephen Crichton out for me. Um, great season. But missed 22% of his tackles. So, you, you know, he made 156 tackles and missed 35. So, you know, it's quite a high percentage. Very athletic. Maybe one season too early for him. So I actually had Katoni Staggs as my center. And the other one I had was Campbell Graham, who overtook Zach Lomax towards the end of the season for me. Zach Lomax played great. Another one who had a breakout season. So, and can I also say the other person I thought about here was Tuala for Newcastle had a fantastic okay, yeah, season, season in the centres as well. Um, I know Crichton's attacking statistics are fantastic. 15 tries, um, you know, just, just 14 line breaks, 45 tackle busts, nine offloads. Um, he did make 22 errors though. I just, I just think he's a young player, right? So you get a bit of the inconsistency that you get with young players sometimes. So I thought Campbell Graham and Katoni Staggs defensively got me there. I think um, I probably, surprise, surprise, overlooked the defensive component from Stephen Crichton. I think for a rookie, his athleticism, just his speed, his backing up, his, just his danger with the ball. Like, he's got everything. He's got, you know, he can jump really high. He's got great hands, good skill, speed, agility, height. Um, and for a rookie, I thought he was incredible. Um, so he's one, my center and the other one, I'm with you, Katoni Staggs. I think he's just, his desire for a Broncos team where half of them didn't really sort of care, I thought was really And he's got the best fend in the game. Some of those fends were fantastic. I'm a bit biased by some of the, some of the highlights were just great to watch, but, um. If Bradman Best had kept playing the way he played, 
he only played 10 games in the regular season, but if he didn't get injured and he kept playing, he was on track to be in that team. Well, he started off that way. And the other the others I've got just from a centre position was Zach Lomax. I just thought he was, a, like you say, shining light for Saints. You know, um, Joe, Joey Manu, I just think he's just that talented that he plays okay and he's, he's better than everybody. Oh, so, so this is our team of the season. Joey Manu is actually, in my opinion, the best centre in the comp. He is. It's, it's how they played over 20 rounds that I'm picking them. Yeah. Not necessarily. It's it's the MVP versus the best player in the NBA today, yeah. right? Like LeBron's the best player in the NBA, but you, he's not always your MVP. So so it's that that's that's the lens of which I'm picking these. And teams. that's a way. And that's why I had Pappenhuysen a fullback to some degree. But um, also Brent Naden and Campbell Graham were very close as well. I thought Brent Naden from you know being on the fringe at the beginning as he's settled and known that he's the starting center for Penrith, his game's gone to a different level. And we'll summarize our backline in a second. So, yep. if let's move on to the halves. Yep. I didn't consider this as a traditional five-eighth half. I just had the halves as a bracket. Who did you have in your halves, and who did you consider? I uh, I think there were four that were incredibly close. In fact, you could argue six. Right. That's how how good the top six were. But the ones that I felt just stood out a little bit more. I thought Nathan Cleary for Penrith. He was just been. Just his consistency and the way he's orchestrating that team is phenomenal. And I just think, for me, Jack Whiten probably pips. And I hate to say this, I've got a broken heart, T. Sean Johnson and Jerome Luai. And I think there was just games where I think Jack Whiten willed Canberra forward. And it just gave him that little bit of an edge over Sean Johnson. But statistically speaking, like Jerome Luai and Sean Johnson... Great seasons. Great seasons. Can I add a few more names? And I've also got Luke, Luke Keery and Cody Walker. You could argue that they were the best. I picked Nathan Cleary and Jack White. Jack White carried his team through mid-season Canberra. He was sensational. He reminded me of Laurie Daly. And I think Nathan Cleary will win the Daly M, um, particularly given the backflip around the six-point deduction. I love the NRL. Um, but Luke Keery, Cherry Evans, Jerome Hughes. Cherry Evans was outstanding for Manly. Now, not everyone watched him week in, week out, but he was really, really good. Jerome Hughes, I didn't think he was a halfback at the beginning of the season. He proved me wrong. Cam Munster as well was sensational. I love watching Cam Munster play. You mentioned Cody Walker, Sean Johnson, but I ended up going with Nathan Cleary and Jack White. Yeah, I think, like you said, Jack White and sort of wheeled that Canberra team for a few games when they were struggling mid-season, and that, that got me his position ahead of Sean Johnson. But... um. Either or, I mean, Luai, they've all been incredible. And I also had Jerome Hughes and Daly Cherry Evans, like, in the back end. But I thought just Keery and Walker also had better seasons. But, yep, yeah, Jack White and Nathan Cleary. So my back line is James Tedesco, James, Ad- James, James Tedesco, Josh Adokar and Brett Morris on the wings, Katoni Staggs and Campbell Graham in the centres, and Jack White and Nathan Cleary in the halves. Very similar. I've got Pappenheisen at fullback, Addo Carr on the wing. I've got Stephen Crichton, Katoni Staggs, Alex Johnson, and Jack Whiten, and Nathan Cleary. Yeah. Okay. Well, very, very close. We're very close. Yep. So, and some of these positions are really hard, right? There's a struck match between some of these players. And so, okay, mo- moving on to the back row, how do you want to do this? Do you want to do this as looking at all three, or do you want to do it yes. as. No, just all three back rowers. They're kind of somewhat interchangeable. I kind of want to do the lock separately because there's a few different ways locks play. But yeah, so. There are, there are. Um, I've, well, my back rowers, and this I found very difficult. And even now, I'm still a bit 
Well, that's what I did with fullback. That's what I did. I changed my opinion on the pod on the fullback. I've got Kikau, Viliami Kikau, but I honestly think that's because he's been such a terror with the ball in his hand and running lines and basically running over people that it's almost too hard to ignore. But he is, for me, it's a very, it's very, very close between he and Ryan Madison. Okay. And part of me thinks Ryan Madison because I think he's really made para far stronger on that right edge. Yep. But it's just that extra bit of dy- dynamism that Kickout adds that kind of you know swayed me a little bit. I've got Ke- and my other one is probably one that most people probably wouldn't think about is Kenny Bromwich. Um, for the Storm. Yeah, he he's wasn't. One of those guys he wasn't on my list. Up, yeah, he turns up every week and he actually has a massive impact. But he's so consistent that he doesn't kind of stand out, if that makes sense. He, he just does a great job every week. So he doesn't have the difference between his best games and worst games. He's very Melbourne-like. I didn't he's even have him in my shortlist. I didn't even have him on my shortlist. I, I thought for, he's had a great year. For, for, for the second row, the back rowers, I had Cam McInnes, Isaiah Yeo, Nathan Brown, Mitch Barnett, Patrick Carrigan, Angus Crichton, Kikau, Cam Murray and Ryan Madison. Um, for my back row, I went... Oh, and Locke I had separately, right? Liam Martin, Alex Twell, Cam Murray, Tyrone Peachy, Isaac Liu, and Tino. Okay, okay, yep. So so I, 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 did, I did them a little bit differently. I ended up with my 13 as Cam Murray because I think he's probably been South's best forward and he's a, he's a little bit of everything. He can play through the middle. He can play on the edges. He's got the fastest player of the ball in the competition he rarely misses tackles. He does hit-ups. He can offload. The only thing he doesn't do is kick. No, and you know what the funny thing is? Not the most athletically gifted guy out there. Well, I don't think he's the biggest player either. I think he's a footy player. I think Cam Murray's a footy player. Very effective. He just knows how to play. I had him in, like, just missing out. Madison, Murray, Malolo, just sheer statistics with Jason T, although I think... Well, Jason, Jason, I almost consider him a prop now. I mean, he's got the number 13 well, on his back, but he doesn't play that yeah, way. He doesn't. Um, I thought Tohu Harris and Tupanua had really good years in the back row. And also Joseph Tarpane. And I had to throw a bulldog in there somewhere, but I thought Raymond Fatala Mariner has been one of the better second rowers in the comp, actually. Yeah, I didn't have Fatala Mariner. He's just been in, in my... a shit team. So my back rowers were Isaiah Eo. I thought he was the best back rower. And then my last position came down to Angus Crichton. Ryan Madison and Valami Kikau, and I and I and it's a struck match for me between Angus Crichton and Ryan Madison. Yeah, it's it's not easy. That um, one. So who, I who, had who, Isaiah Yo as a lock. Oh, did you? Yeah. So okay. So and so so you had Kenny Bromwich in the second row with Isaiah Yo. Kikau. Ah, right. So I've got Cam Murray, Isaiah Yo, and um, I think Ryan Madison slash Angus Crichton. I'll think it's about funny, that. right? Some of these guys, you think about all the back rollers that are kind of like like for like, yet we're sitting here agonizing about pretty much the same type of choices where, hey, I think Madison, Kikau, Yo, Cam that, Murray. Well, that, no, there's, that's there's why. There's a few standouts. There's a few standouts. Yeah, I agree. I agree, but I, but I don't think they're all the same player. No, they're different players. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Particularly at lock. Particularly at lock. Like, I consider Tyrone Peachy for lock, even though he didn't play. He started the season at five eighth, and then then yeah, lock like you said, very different. You can get you can get a different type of lock, and I think Cam Murray's for me the one that can do most. That, that he gives me the most flexibility at lock. Definitely, definitely. Yeah? So yes. when I, yeah, and I think I think he's added that to to the South team as well. So 
Yeah, I just thought Yo. Yo was the form back rower, form back rower of the comp, right? But but the, the last position came down to Angus Crichton, Ryan Madison. I did also seriously consider Nathan Brown. Who, oh yeah, look, we look like a different team with Nathan Brown there. He's an irritant. He's like you. He's he's an irritable player, but I kind of thought about him and I was like, no, I kind of just he's one of those players you hate, you know. But he's he's really good. So, but yeah, so we've got. So my back row, Kikau, Bromwich, and Isaiah Yo. And I'm, and I'm tossing up for the last one, so I've got a few minutes to think about that. So if we move on to the props, I had my shortlist was Payne Haas, Josh Papali, Siasia Takihau, Junior Paulo, James Fisher-Harris, and Fotowaka from Gold Coast. Who did you have as, on your shortlist for props? Um, my two props, I thought, were... I think I had... I think they were head and shoulders above quite a few of them, even though it was kind of close with one or two. But I think in general, there's three or four that are a lot better than others. Um, I had James Fisher-Harris. I had him. Yeah, I've got four props that I'm trying to get down to two positions. He's my prop of the year, and I've got Takiaho as well. I just think he gives the Roosters um, an incredibly different look as a prop. So my, my other two that was in that short list of four was Josh Papali and Junior Paulo. It's funny, right? Like you look at, when you look at statistically speaking, Paulo's right up there. Then you look at him and you're like, how? <laughs> like he's a, he's a big tub, right? But he's, God, he's good. Josh Junior Papali? Paulo. Junior Paulo's fantastic. What about the offloads? Um, but I, I had Payne Haas as well. Um, I had Papali. And I had probably a bit of a smoky. I had a smoky. I had Fatuaka. Yeah, well, I had him on my short list. So I'm going to go with Josh Papali and Junior Paulo as my as my props. I feel I feel sorry for Fisher Harris and Takiaho though, but they were sensational. All right, and last but not least, the hooker position. This came down to three for me: Cam Smith, Harry Grant, Happy Corrissau. They were my three. Oh yeah, same thing. I've got Harry Grant, Smith, Corrissau. I think you'll probably pick Smith, I'd imagine, and I went with Happy Corrissau because. I just think Penrith, you know, losing one game the whole year, I, and I think Coruscant helps. But we've we've talked about. It. I don't know how much of it is Api and how much of his Penrith. Well, that's that's the bit I'm not sure about. That's the bit I'm not sure about, right? So I got him in my team solely because I think they were winning Penrith minor premiers, and I just think fair enough. You know. Well, that's... I went I went with Cam Smith. I went with Cam Smith because I think. When he the times he didn't play at hooker, you could it was a noticeable bloody difference for Melbourne. Yes, and yes. I reckon I reckon I could stick you at dummy half for Panthers, and you were going to beat the Dogs forty two nil. Look, let's not get ahead of ourselves. It only would have been thirty two nil. No, no, but, no, um, not, not, nuggety G, <laughs> not making any tackles. <laughs> it's an interesting point because there were a couple of games that he missed, and um, you know Penrith didn't really miss a beat. So it's a it's a good pickup, but I I just went with RP Corrissau because I think he he did add something extra to their team that they needed. So who's who's your forwards then? You go through your forwards. My forwards are the props: James Fisher Harris and Sia, Sia Takiaho and RP Corrissau hooker, and I've got Kikau, Kenny Bromwich, and Isaiah Yo. It's a lot right. of scrum. My team is Cam Murray, Isaiah Yo, and Ryan Madison in the back row. Yeah. And I've got Josh Papali and Junior Paulo as my props and Cam Smith as my hooker. So tough, tough doing this though, right? It's really tough doing this. So, all right. Now, G, what is the opposite of your team of the season? Do you want to go through your, your not team of the season? Is it just the Bulldogs, 1 to 13? 
It, it can be, almost. Um, mine is probably Fetala Marino, one or two others. But there, there's one or two that I feel a little bit guilty about because I think some of it's injury sort of driven. But there's also a lot of these players come with big expectations or are, at, are supposed to be at an origin level and expected to really perform. So I think some of it is performance relative to expectations is my worst team. There's some rookies that have played that you know haven't had the best games, but they're rookies. They're learning. Um, but some of these guys, I think a lot more was expected of them, and their seasons have not been very good. So at fullback, I've got Matthew Moylan, and I know that... I don't think you need to say anymore. <laughs> probably driven by hamstring issues, but he was woeful in the terrible, games he played. Terrible, terrible. Absolutely terrible. Um, on the wing... I've got Dallin Wateni Zelezniak for 700k. He was atrocious this year. He his comments were I haven't had the best season, and <laughs> I think that was an understatement of the year. And at times he plays hard generally, but just ineffective as a as a winger. Eason Masters is probably one that people wouldn't think about, but you know he had a little bit of talent with the Tigers. Went to the Cowboys, who probably thought they were getting a really good center. Tuala was a Cowboy player. They let few a few centers go. And he ended up in reserve grade after a couple of games because defensively and attitude-wise, he was just horrible. And I hate to say this, but Remus Smith, he's not a rookie. Third year, T, Remus, you know, you're expecting him to improve or do something. He was so bad, he got dropped for Tim Lafoy's dead body. So, yeah. I mean... So- so who have you picked? Who have you got your setters? So I've got Eason Masters and Re- Remus Smith. And my winner's Valentine Holmes. On massive money, big name recruit. You know, a lot of cele- celebration about enticing him to the Cowboys. And probably because he's got an NFL body, he's been pretty ordinary. Nothing more than average most of the season. And when you, But when you're paying elite superstar money, you need to get a bit better than that. Val Holmes, although next year I think will be a lot better. Anthony Milford in the halves. Sadly, he was ordinary and ordinary in the Bronco for the Broncos. Ben Hunt, 1.2 mil, and he had to get shifted to hooker because they couldn't drop him because he Adam Clune was better at halfback. And you didn't think you didn't think about Josh Reynolds or Corey Norman? I did think about Josh Reynolds and Corey Norman. Can I throw another name at you, Michael Morgan? I did think about Michael Morgan as well. He was. He, he did have can, an injury. Can I throw another name at you, Luke Brooks? Well, yeah, I d- actually didn't think of Luke Brooks, but you, you can make an argument that Luke Brooks hasn't been very good. Lachlan Lewis. Lachlan Lewis could definitely be there. Tom Dearden. Oh, he's nineteen. <laughs> Come on, man. He can't. He's nineteen. He's he's nineteen. So I I stop there before you keep before you move on to the forwards. I want to. <laughs> But Josh Reynolds left the game. He left the game. Always had a fire and a will to win, even though he isn't the most talented guy in the world. And even that's gone so much so that he left at halftime to go get a hot chocolate or whatever he did. So very disappointing year for Josh. Tough personally too with all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what about Bryson Goodwin? He's just old, man. He is old. All right, he's in the the Tom Dearden bucket. All right, He's so old that Bryson Goodwin was... Around when we had one of our last glory seasons. I think, well, didn't Bryson Goodwin start on the bench when the uh, Rabbitohs won in 69? Or when they played in the grand final? You did say 1969 on purpose. Yeah, didn't you? yeah, yeah. Okay, just checking. 
Close enough. Might have been his brother, his dad, Ted, but yeah. Oh, it was his dad, Ted. That's right. He was the winger in 2009 when we played the Eels. Oh, my God. Bryson, good one. Good All right. One. So I think I think that's a, that's a star-studded list for the back line. We've got a few names for the forward line as well. So go through your forwards. This was a, a toss-up between Paul Vaughan, no, I've got State here. of Origin, yeah, all, all the hype, all the raps, and, mate, look, someone's got to get numbers. His numbers are up there, but his effectiveness, very ordinary for Saints this year. And Joe Offahingawi. Oh, yeah, Go he was terrible. Go and read his NRL bio in terms of, you know, he's going to be playing State of Origin. He's lucky to be playing first grade after 2020. <laughs> he was terrible. I mean, the Broncos talk about getting ahead of yourself, but he was, he was to me, one of the um, – Poor performers with poor attitude for the Broncos this year. Athletically talented, agile, didn't give a shit half the games. So your props are Offahengawi and... Oh, Paul Vaughan was a 50-50 and I have to add Dylan Napa just because I don't like him. <laughs> he doesn't like you no, either. No, I'm sure he does. I just don't want to be hit by him because no, it'd ever... probably be easier getting hit by a truck outside. Ever since you filmed him on that night out, he hasn't been he hasn't been cool with you. So, oh, God. mini papi, yeah. and um, and my hooker, Isaac Luke. Um, he provided fantastic veteran presence for the Broncos, attitude wise. Yeah, you don't order, you don't order the two piece feed. You get the whole bucket. Oh God, out of shape, overweight. Same thing. And that's okay with COVID, but his attitude wasn't there. And it rubbed off like the senior leaders rubbing off on the younger guys at the Broncos. So, All right, let's go through your back row because I've got a few names that you've, you've, you, I want to check whether you've considered. Oh, and Andrew Fafita. I think oh, I've got, that was one of the names. <laughs> absolutely the most talented prop still, but physically, man, Andrew, get, get yourself in shape. Like, you're getting older, you can't carry that pud that you used to carry around when you're younger. It becomes harder, so... But back row? Yep. I've got Tavita Pangai Jr. Yeah, I, I, un, uncontested, uncontested. Unanimous. Um, what more could he have done to fuck up the Broncos season? <laughs> really. But what a haircut. You know, or a haircut. At least he got a good haircut. Yeah. His hair was tight. Um, Tarek Sims, very disappointing year. He didn't have a great year at all. You know, he was... I think he was dynamic hurt. For the, he might have been hurt because he was dynamic for the Dragons. And this year, he would, he'd play 80 minutes and just not do much, you know. Um, and my lock is Bryce Cartwright. Oh, Probably yes. Probably the most skillful back rower ball playing wise. Mate, this kid's got it all. He just cannot be bothered. If you can't, as an attacking back rower, play for Jim Dimmick... And Justin Holbrook, who let their forwards... Mate, let me tell you, he's not, in, he's not in the team for his defence, let me tell you. Oh, I know that. But if you can't make it there, you're done. Because they're the two coaches that will let you ball play and use your skill. And he still got booted out from the Titans. That tells me everything. And honourable mention to Dean Britt. Woeful signing. Somehow played like 10 games. <laughs> Woeful. Um... And Cohen Hess. Oh, I've got Cohen Hess as one of the names I was going to mention. Mate, has the, he has fallen off a cliff, and he's still young. He's still young. I think um, overly hyped, looking for the next big thing, early origin debut based on hype, big guy. As soon as he's had to slim down because the game's gotten quicker uh, over the last two years, and he's, I think, maybe struggling with his new his new body shape to be as impactful as he used to be, but not a very good season. Yeah. 
Okay, I've got a couple of names that missed out. You have gotten to all of them. Um, Russell Packer. He, I was thinking about Russell Packer. <laughs> For that kind of money, you're not expecting a halftime leave pass. No. And and another one, Moses Imbai. He's going to start for Queensland. He's going to start for Queensland. He's going to be their really? starting centre. Yeah, I reckon he will. They don't have any centres. Michael Morgan's been ruled out. Who are they going to start? Katoni Staggs is out. Oh, he's a New South Welshman anyway. Yeah. Ordinary season from Moses and Boy. I don't know what happened to him. At least before he had athleticism and superior speed. Now he doesn't even have that. What about Joey Leilua? Sorry, oh, sorry, West Tigers oh, fans. It feels oh. like I'm picking on you, Joey Leilua. Oh, no. I forgot. <laughs> Yeah, do you know what? I think Eason Masters has just been dropped for Joey Leilua. <laughs> Sorry. I knew I forgot. Someone. But Joey Leilua, yeah, he's got to be there. He's got to be he's gotta there. Got to be there. All right, thank you for that, G. That was a lot of fun. That brings us to the end of this week's G&T show. Thank you for once again joining us. I hope you had fun. We love bringing it to you, and, and, and we'll catch you next week. Take care, G. You too, T. Speak to you next week.